enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Jim. That's Andy. <laughs> and this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic down to that rare gem that sets its alarm for 6.46 a.m. <laughs> at the back of your video store shelf. This week, we're starting a new miniseries. It's March, so we're calling this The Eyes of March. It's super creative. Every, I don't know if you're on TikTok, Tim, but there's a lady who does like cooking videos. She's got a great... It's like people make garbage cooking videos, and she just always starts them with, everyone's so creative. And that's how I feel about this miniseries. It's called The Eyes of March. They're all titles starting with I. Is that what most people watch TikTok for? Yes, that's exactly it. The cooking videos. I love them. I always remember to double tap and comment so that the algorithm remembers I love the cooking videos. Yes. Yeah. Um with uh yeah, like uh like lots of uh lots of uh dairy products. Yeah, dairy, yeah. some fruits, <laughs> yeah. melons. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, I love TikTok. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, it's the eyes of March, and it's our first entry. It's from 1978. It's a remake of a classic that became a classic, considered maybe the best remake of all time, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Tim, hive minds, yay or nay? <laughs> well. It's got some good, it's got some upsides. Can you exp- I'm, I'm familiar with the term, and I, I, I yeah. said familiar. Sorry, I'm familiar with the term, <laughs> um, Mr. Grammar over here. Uh, we, I know what the concept is, but yeah. just run that. Run, give well, me a like rundown. This movie where it's a uh, seemingly singular <clears throat> consciousness, uh-huh. uh, like kind of not really a thing that controls you, but everyone controls at the same time. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, no, uh, as I mean, you, this might be a bad question. If you don't know what it is, you're like, all right, first initial <laughs> first impressions. Yeah. Hive spelled H I V E. Uh, like the Borg from. Yeah, Star exactly. Trek. Okay. Yeah. No. And I, and I've seen people on Facebook be like, okay, hive mind. Yes. Where do I get my vacuum repair? Yeah. That you is know. a great, right. uh, yeah. So, uh, no in, okay. In a, a sort of like uh, vaguely humorous lean into it like that, where it's like, hey, everybody, hey, large group of people that I have access to, I need to know where to get my computer fixed from the white screen of death or whatever. Yeah. Like that serves a, an extremely practical purpose that I don't think anybody could ever argue with. It's essentially a bulletin board, you right. know, like nobody's nobody thinks bulletin boards are evil. Um, but but I, the idea of what you're talking about of, you know, if there is a, a system or a situation where there is too much homogeny and there is too much uh, everybody thinking in the same way, that gets a little weird. Like, I remember seeing this clip from North Korea of one of the like it was before the son took over when his dad died. Yeah. Right. And they had these eel. Yes. And um, 
Yeah, not the sushi, but uh, but yes. Um, the, oh. the thing is, get drunk eel roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I there was this weird footage of of his funeral, and these are like people that have suffered greatly at this man's hand, but they were like doing this like wildly expressive weeping. Yeah. Like they had, like they were supposed to be like, look at me, I'm doing the thing that we're supposed to do, but it was this weird fake dramatic crying. Yeah. And I was just like, how, how is this normal for any society? Like right. I get that people get swept up into things and nationalism and all that stuff. Like I understand that, but it's like, how do you look at, at the person standing next to you with a straight face and be like, what we're doing is normal, right? Like we're screaming and wailing for a dictator that we hate. Right. Um, but I guess when the, you know, your threat of violence, if you don't do it is, is yeah. one thing. Well, I think a lot of them do love him just due to the amount of information they're fed. Well, that's him. true. That's true. And so so that brings up a great question then, which is who's to blame? Is is it the hive mind or is it what's feeding the hive mind? Right. The bottom line is this and it's and it's obviously it's picked for that that terminology is picked for a specific reason in its relation to bees, but here's the thing. We are not bees. We are not as a species the kind of of being that says, okay, I'm born. My job is what now? Oh, I do this thing. And because you told me to do this thing and I have no part of my brain that tells me that I should do anything differently. Yeah. That's what bees do. Yeah. Um, but humans are different. Sure. And so the idea of humans being corralled into that that sort of group thought i think goes against our humanity and the whatever the beauty or the strength of the human spirit is yeah but you don't think it has benefits <laughs> well, i mean think about i mean think about it. i mean yes you're absolutely right that is what makes us human but is that always a good thing i mean imagine a world because if you are given a job if you're part of a hive mind you don't really have an opinion on that job just to you, that's what that's fine. That's what you do. Uh, your kids can go to school safely. Uh, you know, you will always, uh, if you are injured, will always be healed uh, because the hive it wants to keep you, you know, perpetuating. Yeah, I think it's horribly destructive and evil. Uh, <laughs> actually, is what I think. I really do. I think it is against human nature. Um, I think that absolutely it is. I think that it, um, I think that I can see how in theory now you made me think of a, of, of a certain thing. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with if, if a system has existed within a society that is inherently wrong, educating people in the masses to say that while we all grew up with this, it's wrong and and we shouldn't think this way and we should all as a people think this other way, that isn't always wrong. I'm thinking of slavery. Sure. Okay. So if people grew up with like, yeah, we have slaves, like that's just how it goes, um, to, to, to try to get the word out to spread the word to as many people as you can that no, this is actually a terrible thing yeah. and we shouldn't do this and we should all 
think the same way, which is that owning another human being is wrong. Yeah. There's uh, that that I'm in favor of. Okay. okay. Especially in that example. Um, I mean, I, I don't think see how anyone could disagree, but um, but I, I think that the problem is, is that somebody might say, well, who gets to pick and choose that? Exactly. It feels like slavery is such a universal evil that you would just kind of say like this one just gets to bend the rules, yeah. you know? Yet it still exists. Yes. All over the world. It does. But um, so I'm okay with somebody pushing through with a universal truth that isn't immediately recognized within that society, even if it goes against what that society has been doing. So, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. I guess the problem is, is that what you're talking about, like if it's a situation where it's like, we're going to fix everything. We're going to have this utopia. Everybody is going to help everybody. Everybody is going to have a job. We're all going to work equally and we're all going to disperse it equally. I.e. communism. That that I think is maybe I'll be nice and say that it's born of good intention. Sure. But I think that ultimately it is. It's just not how people and it's not even not how people work. But see, that's the thing. You're thinking about it through the lens of a person. Right. What if you you even say it's good on paper, right? What if you could get what was on the paper? But I don't Instead think of you having can to worry about human interference you can with a hive mind that's what i'm saying but that you takes away you can but that takes away the the spirit it's kind of like what's what we'll talk about in this movie that's so great is when when our main character is being you know forced to do what the thing is which is go to sleep where you are cloned and he says you're killing me and yeah. what he means by that is you're killing my individuality yeah you're killing my my human spirit, my desire to do something different, because here's the thing. If the hive mind, who's to say that the hive mind is always going to do the right thing. Who's to say that maybe having that individual thought was maybe the first person to say, I don't think we should have separate drinking fountains. Maybe it, if you have a hive mind, maybe nobody ever has that thought of goodness that creates positive change. Yeah. So if everybody is under the same sort of thought, then you never have somebody stand up for what could be positive change. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah. So I feel like you're trying to trick me into no. something. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to get you to think about yeah. it. No. And I think, okay. th- yeah, for the record, I'm against the hive mind. <laughs> right. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus. God. Okay. God, he's not that far gone yet. Okay. Uh <laughs> No, thank you. And, 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 you know, and here's the thing, obviously this movie, this is a really interesting I, I, topic and I'm not getting into the movie already. It's more of a concept yeah. of, of something. So this is a movie that we'll discuss in a second. It, a lot of people like to attribute these metaphors to, right? So the question is, if you are, let's say like a teacher, and a student writes a paper about something and that they are drawing metaphors from that source material. If that source material, if the creator of that source material has clearly said, this has no metaphors, this has no connection to anything, then is a paper like that still valid? If if you know that it's like, well, I see you drawing that metaphor, but I know for a fact that that had nothing to do with the creation of it. Or can you say, so long as you don't say this is what the creator was thinking, 
that, but this is my interpretation of it, is that, I mean, you should still be able to do that, right? You yeah. should still be able to, from what I understand, most artists that I know like when people bring their own interpretations to the table. Absolutely. So I don't, I don't, I don't think you can say, okay, so you can't like pound your fist on the table and say, this is a movie about communism. If you know that clearly it isn't, but you could say, this is a movie that makes me think about what this country went through in the fifties with the red scare and all that stuff and McCarthyism and all that jazz. Like you could say that and, 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 and kind of infer that, that that's what you get from it. That's okay. Yeah. Like the way that people you can look at this movie too and be like, actually it's about the loss of counterculture where, especially setting this movie in San Francisco, I read the sign of Wikipedia. This is not my thought, <laughs> <laughs> but they said it in San Francisco, the, you know, one of the epicenters of like a huge cultural shift in the 1960s uh, to you have it set in San Francisco. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's the same again. Yeah, so we're kind of losing. We lost our edge a little bit. And, you know, that that's a good point, because th- that's my line. Lost our edge a little bit. Not in Wikipedia. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it lost his I edge a little bit. It. I can update it. It lost a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think that I think that that's a really interesting concept because here's the funny thing about that. Different different times in history. It's okay for how do I say this? It's okay for everything to be the same if you just came out of hell. Okay, so if you just had World War II and you've got every young man on the street over there fighting in multiple different countries and people dying and, and scores of people dying on both sides, right? And so when you've had just chaos in the world, it's probably okay to come back to America and be like, every house is going to be the same. <laughs> We all would everybody, everybody gets, we're going to get a TV. We're going to get a car. We're going to have two kids or five kids or whatever. And we're all going to live in the same house. And at least it's not bullets whizzing past our heads. Like I could understand going in for keeping up with the Joneses versus war torn. But the problem with that is, is that, and that's what happened, right? So post, post Eisenhower, post you know, or, or world war two or whatever, everybody was like, I'm happy to just be the same. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I want that because my husband's been gone for two years or, you know, whatever happened. But then like what you're talking about is born of that. We get this creative movement of the sixties, an important movement of the sixties. And for that to die out when we're not necessarily war torn, well, Vietnam, but but for that to die out, I think is wrong. I guess what I'm saying is it's like if you bust your ass all day, it's okay to come home and just lay on the couch and want to take a nap. <laughs> right. That's fine. But I see what you're saying is, is there's a there's maybe a problem when there was such a an electricity to the air of San Francisco in the sixties of change, of progress. Yeah. And then that that dissolves into some sort of nameless, faceless urban lifestyle. Yeah. Which I've always wondered about that. Like, I'm going to I'm going to talk about two things there or ask you about two things. So and this is something that I don't know about history. Did people move 
to cities initially, like the way that we talk about in modern society or like when we were kids growing up, it was like, I want to be where the action's at. I'm going to move to Chicago. Yeah. I'm going to move to New York because you want to be a part of what you feel is like a more fulfilling or, or interesting or exciting life. Yeah. But at the origins, at the beginnings of large cities in this country, were people living there out of necessity? They had to be necessity. It wasn't that like the nightlife of right. New York. Yeah. And, well, you know. no. Yeah. I mean, if, if, Jesus, if I remember my social studies from elementary school. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. I mean, I would imagine, you know, it kind of started with, you know, these uh, hubs for trading. Okay. Which then, you know, brought in commerce and that brings in people. And now there are more people. You need other things to, you can't just all be traders. And different people, people from eat. different yeah, areas. So, you know, I bring a, you know, I open a restaurant there. Uh, okay. People got to do something at night. I open up a bar or, okay. or a fucking dance hall or whatever. Okay. So then out of that eventually, is born. Eventually someone there needs their sewing machine fixed. So I open up a sewing machine shop. <laughs> right yeah that's that's the ex- way down the that's line. the exciting one yeah um <laughs> but yeah that i was kind of getting to that how it does kind of become like right who the fuck opens that shop Who's right like finally my dream of opening a sewing machine repair shop so let me ask you that question then so because like you know we've all known people that and, and i don't i i am not trying to be like you know Anybody that moved out of their hometown is just searching for something and blah, blah. So I'm not, lucky. Yeah, I'm not. Right? I'm and not tell me that. about it. Right. Slow detail. And I want to yeah. live vicariously yeah. through you. <laughs> okay. So, no, that's good. I'm glad you said that. So, so, but, but here's the thing, though. Have you ever experienced this where now, look, if somebody's moving to a different city because you always wanted to live in a coastal town or you maybe your family is from New York City and you always wanted to move back to where your family is from. Maybe you went to school out there and you fell in love with it. That's fine. That is great. But I've known people that have been like, fuck this town. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to this one place better. And then like you sort of watch them, at least from whatever, uh, you know, pickup of their life that you have Facebook, social media, whatever. Sometimes those seem like the, like the loneliest people on the planet. Like, yeah, you did the thing you moved to the place, but it's like, all you can do is talk about how much better that is than anything else. But yet you don't really seem to, you seem lonely. Yeah. You know, now maybe it gets better. I I don't know. Yeah. But, and and I, I think that's the part that keeps a lot of people from doing it is not knowing anybody. Right. Having to make new friends. It's hard. Right. Especially so he's an adult. Who wants a new adult friend? I'm not t- me. I'm going to tell you. Not though. me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, of course. One, of course. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you would like you would want to move to a different city and have to put yourself through uh, meeting another me. Like nobody, nobody, you don't deserve I know that. Who to avoid now. Yeah, nobody yeah. does. Right. So I've got too much invested in this. Right. So, so the thing is though, it's like, I don't know for me, I'll tell you, I've had dreams before. I, I don't know if this is a common thing or not. People can write in and, uh, or not write in and, and mention this, but have you ever had a dream before where it was like somebody that, you know, very well, family member, probably where in the dream, that person was them but wasn't them yeah sure and it's freaky right it's my aunt but she's actually my next door neighbor right right not my aunt 
Or, but have you ever had it before where they're like supposed to be the person that they're supposed to be, but you know in the dream that that's not really them? Uh, kind of like this movie, sort of. Okay. That is a freaky thing. Like, to me, the idea, and maybe this is just my lack of worldliness or something, but the idea of at this age of moving to a whole different city, I don't know, like that, uh, that terrifies me that that to me feels so creepy. Like I like I'm not I, I think I'm a good traveler because I'm easygoing. Yeah, but I can't wait to get home. Man, you would have no problem like going moving to a new city and meeting people. I know, but maybe so. But I just, I, I, it feels like it's like a theme park to me. It's like yeah. a theme park of life. Yeah. It's not real. And I know for the people so that live there, cool new bars to discover, you'd be like, oh my God, you wouldn't believe the towny bar I used to think was awesome until I found this bar. You know, I, I, I'm and really- I met Crazy Bill <laughs> and Tammy the Freak, and they're my best friends now. <laughs> Do those people actually exist? <laughs> Uh, I do. I want to meet them now. Everyone uh, has a nickname in the big city. Right, right. So I think I think that Tommy what two eyes. I will say this: there there have been um, there have been times in my life that I have stepped out of my comfort zone that I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I can't sit here and say that like, oh, I bet I I bet I I would think that was awful. It would. It's like stump. Anytime you step out of your comfort zone, it's going to suck for a while. And then maybe it gets better. And if it doesn't get better, I guess you could always go back. But um, I don't know. I just sometimes I wonder about the people that feel like they have to move because it's going to be better somehow. Yeah. Rather than maybe focusing on making the most of what's around them. Uh-huh. But then again, who am I to say? Maybe they just don't want to fucking live here. And that's fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. Do you fine. have something to say to me? Or No, no. I just, <laughs> well, you're still here, so it's fine. Uh, For now. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I don't know. That's an interesting talk. I'd like to hear from somebody who moved away from here or from anyway from wherever their hometown is. Steve, have you always lived in wherever you live in Canada? Um, Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. Right. No, isn't right? he over on the other? He's over on the other side. Oh, he's over on no. the like the he's one you like BC, isn't it? Nah, I think he's in Vancouver. Okay. Um, God, so are you listening, sorry, Steve? Yeah, he's like, well, he's I used to like this show. So, <laughs> um, he's like Toronto. Like, <laughs> how dare they? Um, but no, I, uh, I, I would like to hear from somebody. This is what I'd like to know. Okay, so you moved to the new place yeah. and you met Wild Bill and Tammy the Freak and all that stuff yeah. and Tommy Two Eyes. You met them all and they're great. And you've made a life for yourself. Maybe you even have a kid there and they go to school there or whatever, and that's fine. Yeah. But does it does it really feel like real life there? I know that you've I know that I mean, you've sure. adapted. I know that you've adapted Listen, to it. Listen, if you're completely hung up on the experiences of your past and measuring everything you live in the future with will this make me how it felt when I was growing up, then no, you're never going to enjoy that area. But if you go there going, that is an experience I had, time for a new experience, then yeah, why wouldn't you? I just don't think any place outside of Northwest Indiana is real. Yeah, you're out of your fucking <laughs> mind, man. I love it here. I think it is the perfect, I've always said this, I think it is literally the most perfect place on the planet because it is such a, I love, you know, people have heard me say juxtaposition on the show. You know, the way that you go 30 minutes south and you get southern accents yeah. and the way that you go 50 minutes 
west and get you know chicago accents and you have the third largest city in the country i think that it's i love it i just love it yeah i love it here <laughs> cool. i do I'll, I'll go i'll go on vacation with you you can also live other places and pretty much get that go to a main city and a southern accent well that's true <laughs> within minutes of each other <laughs> right good point god damn it <laughs> fuck this place you'll love i'm out of here You'll Show's over. It. You're going to see the world and you're going to fucking enjoy every bit of it. You're going to meet so many new people and you're going to settle down somewhere crazy that you never even would have expected. And you're like, you know what? I just, this actually, this place felt right because there are so many places. But I don't there feel are so many places. I don't think another place could feel right. Well, what if I do once it? all your friends move away, what if you I, all have no choice. What if I go as opposite <laughs> as possible? Southeast Indiana. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be pining for this place. Listen, not the worst place to grow up, for sure. Yeah. Okay. You ready? I feel, I feel like we got a little okay. off topic. Yeah, there, okay. Yeah, big cities. Uh, right, they're crazy. Yeah. yeah. Alien invasion. Body all right. Snatching. Let's, uh, yeah, let's get through this. The Eyes of March. It's the invasion of the body snatchers from 1978. Here are the Wikipedia facts. Uh, it was written by W.D. Richter, who we just covered. He wrote Big Trouble in Little China. Of course, I remember that. Tim didn't have to remind me of that at all. Uh, it was directed by Philip Kaufman. It stars Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, and Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Financials, budget. I have no clue. Couldn't find that at all. Did you find budget at all? Uh, no. Okay. But it made like... Um, I forgot to write it down the box fine. office because I spent all the time looking for the budget. Yeah, it was like it was fine. It was a good hit. Yeah. It made millions of dollars. I think it did. It made the equivalent. I do remember this number. It made the equivalent of like 120 current million. Dollars. Yeah. No, which is huge. Yeah. Actually, it was great. No, it was a big, hit. It was a hit. Was yes, a that's hit. what we're getting at. Yeah. Uh, but I forgot to write down the real number. Oh, no, no, no. You Let's know what? Look it up on Wikipedia. I want to say it was something like. Maybe twenty million, sure, and made like one hundred twenty-two, the equivalent of one hundred twenty-two, yeah. or something like that. Something like that. It did well. Yeah, uh, yeah, big hit. Uh, it's got one hell of an ending that everyone remembers. Oh yes. Uh, and I really, I'd seen this before. Didn't remember anything else from it. Didn't even remember Jeff Goldblum was in it at all. Uh, he was in it a lot more than I was expecting. Uh, and it also was way better than I was expecting. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure how you the were. big reveal. I didn't know how you were going to feel about this one. I'm, yeah. glad that, I'm glad that you liked it. Oh, come on, man. The fucking camera work in this movie. It's how pretty awesome. Not well, like we'll talk movie. about that. I'm going to get all fucking just pretentious as shit with oh. the French New Wave and all oh, that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all there, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, we... this was like, uh, you know, like a like a slicker It's Alive like that kind of feeling with with the camera. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm we were going to talk all about it. Did yeah. we do the sum yet? Oh, no, I didn't do the sum. <laughs> That's right. I was all wrapped up about not having the uh, financials. Uh, let's do Nan's sum, then we'll get into some spoilers. Health department scientist Elizabeth Driscoll notices a strange flower in the park one day, bringing it home where she lives with her boyfriend Jeffrey. She's unable to identify the small plant. The next morning, she notices Jeffrey's acting strangely and mentions it to her colleague, city health inspector Matthew Bennell. As Matthew goes about his day, he too begins to notice peculiar behavior from the people he sees. His suspicions are validated as later that night, he receives a call from his friend Jack, whose wife has found what appears to be a replica of Jack in the bathhouse where she works. Matthew, suspecting Elizabeth to be in danger, rushes to her house 
to find a duplicate of her growing nearby. However, after alerting the police, no evidence can be found, and the small group begins to realize that they may be quickly outnumbered by what could only be described as an army of sentient duplicates of everyone in the city. As the group becomes more isolated, they must fight back and try and find a way to stop the invasion of the body snatchers. Could only be described. <laughs> Could only be described. Sentient duplicates. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. That's uh, very well done. You didn't use AI for that? I didn't use I tried wow. using the AI because I was like, oh, an old movie. I can use the AI. And uh, man, it just didn't. It didn't. It did its job right. But I was like, I can't. I think you're better than AI. Uh, you know what? A lot of people are finding that. Out. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. better than AI. Yeah, it's and got, uh, you know, it's got its leg up on maybe some knowledge. But uh, I was chatting with the AI, and I was like, "So, can you detect sarcasm? Like, if you know, if I was sarcastic, would you know it?" And it's like, "Well." You know, I am just kind of like a language identifier and blah, blah, blah. So I might be able to pick up on some cues, but I can't promise that I would always recognize sarcasm. And I just typed, oh, great. And it just said, is there anything else I can help you with? <laughs> Which even the first question you were asking was sarcastic. Right. Like, boom, gotcha. Um, no, good for you. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I. Uh, it's interesting. I, and and I, I don't want to start the episode with a tangent but it did make me start thinking a little bit about this this ai stuff this deep fake stuff i found out that um keanu reeves has a really specific yes. anti um deep fake uh clause in any of his contracts because he had a movie where they inserted a tear I don't know if I talked about this before uh no okay i mean i know it yeah go ahead so they and i don't know what movie i i he says it was somewhere Walk around. The clouds. Maybe, maybe. That, actually, that probably makes a lot of sense. He added a tear to my eye. Yes, right. You're right. And I'm sure to mine had I seen it. But um, <laughs> but I don't know why I've seen. I think I saw that in the theater. Some girl dragged it you to that. It had to have been with a girl. It yeah. had to have been. So, um, but he's like. Essentially saying, like, well, what do you need me for? Like, that wasn't my performance. Like, right. it's so um, so this is and a, they were like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. They're like, you're kind of a robot. Dude. Yeah, I love him. Uh, but yeah, come I on. Do. Let's I be do. fucking right. Right. <laughs> yeah. We need a little bit more. Keanu is probably something he's heard before. Um, but uh, <laughs> so anyhow, um this movie is really, really great. And I'm I'm really glad that right off the bat you mentioned stuff about the camera work because it's such a product of its time. Like you're getting just a smorgasbord of 70s in this oh. movie. I mean, plants listening to music, yeah. mud baths. Oh, the mud baths. Yeah. Dude. Which I found out. Yes, good. You did mud bath research. I did. If you want to get uh if you're one of those people who's been lucky enough to get filthy in Calistoga, <laughs> uh, Calistoga is a place in Napa Valley, which is where they got the idea from. And it is made up of clay, peat, and hot mineral water. 
And it is, uh, yeah, these giant submersive bathtubs that yeah. supposedly have healing qualities to them. Yeah, and it like, looked, what does it do? Well, what does the mud do? Well, they say that each one of those individual things has a healing quality, like clay, peat, and mineral water. But I don't really, I don't know. I don't really yeah. know what it could do. I mean, maybe some slight exfoliating, I suppose. It's, they really just built you on, they charge you like a... 15 bucks a minute on the shower. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know what's funny about this movie, though, is that, like, I looked up the other places where the mud baths are. And don't get me wrong, this mud always looks filthy. I mean, it looks, yeah. it's like but I, black. I, I would get in it. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. But in this movie, that place just looks janky as fuck, Yeah, I, which I kind of liked. I'm like, yeah. does a place like this exist? Like a, I mean, it looks like a fucking opium recovery room like, <laughs> right yeah it's, it's so kind of not really sterile but yeah it is janky like basic it's that feeling that you get when you're ashing into an old cat food container in the laundromat at like two in the morning like right. that sort of like what where did i go wrong in my life yeah. like it's it feels dirty and sort of like it looks it, like they renovated an army hospital yes yeah right yeah <laughs> Where Pete, yeah, when the and guy left half of it up, yeah, when the when the guy is screaming in the beginning of Glory, like "Don't take my leg, don't take my leg," is they're sawing it off, like yeah, that's what it feels yeah, like. Same feeling as that guy trying to get out of the mud bath, like <laughs> same kind of struggle. Which, by the way, <laughs> oh man, we got PG rating, we got some sack, yeah. we got some mud sack in this movie. Yeah, is this PG? It's PG. yeah, I guess it would have to be, wouldn't it? And you have yeah, you've got you've got mud balls. Wow, you've got you've got a face like collapsed in flesh. Right. It is crazy. You've got full on boobs. Yeah, that's right. Replica boobs, yeah, but maybe still, that's it. Those are just plant boobs. Yeah, that's how Kid Cudi got away with it. I mean, <laughs> right. that's yeah, yeah. It's so. The thing is, is that um, yeah, an this Italian cucumber. Yeah. This this movie just is the essence of it is 70s. But with that camera stuff, they're doing a lot of neat things. They're giving you a lot of they're giving away a couple secrets. There is. And we'll get into this as we go, go into the characters. But there is even one scene where Leonard Nimoy is. Is it actually pronounced Nimoy? I don't know. Oh my God. I think I've heard him say that before. And it's yeah, like, it's possible. no, I'm just yeah, sorry, I'm dude. too far gone. Uh, Leonard Nimoy is standing on the opposite side in the it, there in the foreground. Leonard Nimoy and Donald Sutherland in the background is this really, really sharp kind of steeple esque skyscraper. Uh, almost not so much a steeple as it is a shall I say wedge. Yeah. So there is a wedge driven between these two oh. that we haven't been privy to yet. We are made privy uh, to yet, but. Um, but what I really like, because it's such a 70s thing, there's this – a lot of these these guys, Philip Kaufman included, were really heavily influenced by the French New Wave. And what the French New Wave was famous for was saying, like, we want to capture, like, the vitality, the reality of, of life on film. Yeah. Like, we don't want, you know, static set shots with, you know, um, just people with – 
over choreographed blocking and that sort of thing. We want to take the camera off the tripod. We want to move around and we want things to be natural. So you get a lot of those really 70s scenes in this where it's like, I can't remember the dialogue. I don't know, but it's just like, like people talking like, like, what do you want for dinner tonight? How about Chinese? Oh, I just had Chinese last week where there's that new Italian place uptown, really uptown. Like, I mean, Like just people gabbing yeah. and the camera moving around, just capturing life. Yeah. And, but it's fun. I mean, that's, oh, it's a little bit of an outdated style, it. but it's kind of cool. It's hard to duplicate. It, I yeah. think too. There was just something about the era in which it was done. Yeah. It is so weird how you would think with technology, that shit would be easy to do. Right. I kind of noticed it during Pearl. Because if it's like if they show an old movie, but obviously Ty West shot it, I'm like, doesn't look like it looks like a new movie you made look old, right? Well, like how do we not have the technology where, unless you like, it's like when uh, fucking Nirvana did in Bloom, like they had to use those cameras they had on TV shows in the '50s, right, in order to replicate that look. Yes. They couldn't just do it and then do it in post or something. There's yeah. no way to just make it look like the shittier way we used to do things. Like, sorry, we're too good. We cannot do it shitty anymore. It's impossible. Like, yeah, but yet here's a game console with 450 Atari <laughs> yeah. games on it. Yeah, I, we can have a T Rex <laughs> attack you, and you'll swear it was real. Right. But uh, you know, we put a little some clips and film, and it just looks like uh, we faked it. Yeah, and also the director was now. This is this is pretty fascinating. Um, you and I are primarily stage actors. Yeah. Film acting, while I'm not going to claim a bunch of experience, is vastly. I don't think people realize just how different film I acting is. I hate it. And one of the primary differences is that. Film is, of course, all about the frame, right? When you're in a theater, you can you could look at the wall if you want to. You could look at that side of the stage or this side of the stage or up in the fly space, whatever you want. But when we're talking about film, the only thing, as dumb as this sounds, the only thing that the audience can see is what's in the frame, right? Yeah. So when you're when you're filming a scene, you want your central subjects to be the focus of that scene. And even if there are other actors around them, and I'm not even talking about like extras in a in a in a restaurant, in a soap opera. I'm talking about in an actual film. If you're not the center of attention, you are literally supposed to dial back your emotional reaction to things. So if somebody says something like, you know, like I, I, I never loved him, you know, that's for the other person that they're talking to, to react to with like uh, whatever emotion they're going to pour into it. But the other person standing up, maybe they're not sitting, they're standing up. They just like keep looking down. <laughs> right. Because it draws attention away. Now, the director of this movie instructed his actors to react to things, yeah. everybody, which is goes against filmmaking completely. But again, it was that sort of free spirit, 60s, 70s, we're breaking all the rules kind of thing. And so you'll see like, you know, two people that are supposed to be the focus of a scene. And then you'll see like Jeff Goldblum, like, you know, with his hand on his hip, like throw up his hand, like <laughs> reacting like, oh, geez, it's this again. You know, like. His character is such a malcontent, but, um, but I mean, it's kind of cool though. Like it feels a little looser, doesn't it? It's, oh yeah. I like, but you're right. We can't seem to do it anymore. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. 
but um but very very cool and very much a time capsule of of that era um so uh i have to go to the bathroom oh perfect but i have a this is this is definitely a topic that you can talk about and the answer might initially seem obvious but i don't think that it is okay sci-fi versus horror okay and do you think that this movie, and it's okay if it doesn't, it's fine. Yeah. Do you think that this movie does enough to be considered a horror film? I mean, for me to say, I would say, sure, why not? There's a lot of like body horror stuff in this movie. I mean, if you go just go by ID, I, the idea of it is kind of horrifying. Uh, the, you know, there is not a lot of gore per se on screen. Uh, not a lot of jump scares, which is nice, actually. You can't have horror without the jump scares. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this does. I'm obviously not the first person to say this. I want to say, uh, I forget what list it was, but, you know, it's like whatever list this, maybe Rolling Stone or something put it as like the 59th best horror movie of all time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, the the... The, the 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 looks of the people when they reveal themselves to be quote pod people interesting fact never said in this movie or the original movie pod people i did ask gpt chat if it could narrow down when that started to be used and it was actually before this movie the term pod people could not find any specific time where someone was like here mm. like here's this term but it was used for people who were starting to more you know, uh, leave counterculture and kind of like maybe entering like the corporate workforce or something. Those people became pod people, robots, part of the system. I used to say that, like, I mean, I, obviously I wasn't the one that thought of it, but I used to say that in the beginning of like when there would be those viral videos of people so into their phones that they'd like walk into oncoming traffic <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And I would say they're in the pod, right? Like he's in the pod. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a I thing. I can't believe that didn't catch on. Yeah, it should have. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but anyhow, so yeah, okay. So, but I mean, you never but the movie, but the movie, <laughs> the movie isn't really. Is it scary? I mean, I mean, there are parts that are scary. Sure, like uh, tension. For, yeah, uh, yeah. When tension. he's out in his g backyard, yeah, that whole part is yeah, kind of scary. Yeah, it's creepy. But yeah, I was saying when you were uh, peeing. Yeah. Like no jump scares, like nothing, mm. nothing like that. Yeah, like yeah, none. Definitely. I mean, yeah, that whole scene where he's being potted or or he's being grown, everyone's being grown essentially while he's sleeping next to it. Like that goes on for a while, and it's pretty tense, and it's pretty. Like I kind of like that they don't rush that, and while they do gestate pretty quickly, I wasn't like, oh Jesus Christ, it's a grown man after two seconds. And you know what an interesting, yeah, I mean, that's pretty advanced. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you really think about it, I guess this seems like an obvious point. But, like, what if other horror movies, like, everybody just got killed in their sleep? Like, <laughs> right. where's the fun in that? You know? I'm well, not, I mean, one of our favorite series is that. Well, <laughs> yes, but I mean, at, but they're at least dreaming. At least we get to see why yeah, they're. Dying but I mean, in like, if sleep. Jason just kills people while they're like peacefully, like maybe a little smile <laughs> right. on their face, like having a nice dream, and get stabbed and die. But I mean, but no, the, this movie makes it really, really creepy that way. Um, so yeah, these uh, this cast, 
we'll get to Donald Sutherland, but <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, like he's an interesting guy in that when you watch a movie like from 1978 with Jeff Goldblum, he always is Jeff Goldblum, yeah. but he's not the, uh, like, uh Jeff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, I was, I was doing some, uh, earlier working. <laughs> yes. Like, how on how he speaks. <laughs> right. That's not so, good. So no, it, it actually is great, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's like, he, but it's still him, but he doesn't have to be that way. And he's, he is really unique though. Like, I mean, oh, he's yeah. a unique looking guy. Um, he's, you know, he's tall, he's lanky, he's dark. He's it's attractive uh, in this, but not hot yet. It's yeah. Good to he's no know, fly like, hot. Yeah. He was yeah. not hot yet. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but he's engaging. He's always engaging. And, um, Veronica Cartwright, who, uh, you reminded me, I could not place it from alien. Yep. Um, she's, she kind of like represents that sort of the person that's all wrapped up in these seventies things. She's the, you know, the one that runs the, the mud baths and all that jazz and plays the music for her plants because it helps her plants grow or whatever. So she's into that whole vibey thing of the seventies. Um, she's our final girl, Tim. She is. Yeah. Yeah. She is. Yeah. God, you know, guess it's hitting all those horror (laughs) benchmarks and it's so funny because it's like in some ways the ultimate final girl (laughs) like final girl of the world final girl (laughs) right which is i never thought about it that way but yes the all literally yeah the last one and um so now she's great in it she always does she always has a really like she has a kind of a kind face she's she's pretty enough and um but like she does concern really well but she doesn't she doesn't play it like aloof like like you would think somebody who would pick up a script and be like oh i own a mud bath place and i i read these like books by um you know these old uh oh god this guy had the fucking oh yeah the collider of worlds yeah it's this guy that this author that she's reading is uh his name is emmanuel um Velikoska, and he has the most badass title ever. He's a psychoanalyst and a catastrophist. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> so he specializes in catastrophe and like two worlds merging together. Yeah. So it makes sense that she would be reading his book, of course. Um, but she doesn't play it like spaced out or no. anything like that. She's just pretty real. Um, and then we have, um, I'm sorry, is it Brooke Adams? Uh, yes. Brooke Adams is Elizabeth and she does a really nice job. This is one of those. And I don't mean to like paint with a broad brush, but when I talk about these, like kind of look like Margot Kidder, like really thin. Oh, that's who we, we were like, is Margot Kidder in this? And I was <laughs> right. like, no, that's not <laughs> right. I, I got to look who this up. Well, we always think up. that yeah. though. Like she like nails that sort of seventies thin brunette, you know? Um, but I mean, she, but she's big smile. Oh, we also thought it was Karen Allen. Yeah. Karen that Allen is another one. one. We thought it was. Yeah. Yes. And um, so, yeah, she, she really kind of fits the bill there. Um, and she does a really nice, sincere job. Um, th- this movie for 
being a movie about alien invasion for with a race that has no emotion actually has quite a bit of heart in it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that the movie does that on purpose because I think that its goals in the beginning is to kind of say that it's talking about that. What I was saying earlier when we were talking before that urban alienation, the idea that, you know, people move to cities, but that they're, their interpersonal relationships don't seem to carry on as much meaning as they did when they, you know, maybe came from a small town. Yeah. So what do people say about small towns? Like everybody knows everybody, but in a city, there's that, that sort of anonymity there, which might be what attracts people initially. Like, Oh, there's so many different places and so many different things and different types of people and that sort of thing. But that it lacks that sort of, you know, I think what this movie is speaking to is, and I'm not I'm not passing judgment here or trying to be righteous, but like the breakdown of the traditional family unit, like people staying single for longer, people living on their own, um, coming in and out of relationships quicker than than they did before. Yeah. You know, like not marrying your high school sweetheart or whatever. So that because of that detachment, it's a, the perfect breeding ground for an alien force that has no emotion to thrive because nobody's really connecting with anybody. Right. You know, they're interacting like, oh, I have a, you know, my play is opening. Oh, like I'm, I'm going to this new, you know, poetry reading or whatever. It's all, it's all happenings. Right. But not a lot of connection. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's, and, but I mean, she does a really nice job of, of showing some sincerity. Yeah. <clears throat> And then we have Donald Sutherland. <laughs> yeah, he rules in this. They, I mean, everyone rules in this. I was going to say something. I was waiting for you to stop, and then I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I also didn't need to say that, well, that I forgot what I was going to say. So Donald Sutherland, okay, really likable guy. I don't know anybody who doesn't like Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Like, the guy just always delivers. He has a really kind of unique background. He grew up. He was born in Canada. And uh, went to school. He double majored in engineering and drama and then decided that he really didn't want to be an engineer. Moves to London, is getting jobs in London and Scotland. Okay. So that the reason why people are like, is Donald Sutherland British or right. whatever? You can never. That's really- what I, when you said Canada, I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but he <laughs> but had, yeah. he had a right. really hard time not speaking in a British accent when he came back. Um, but I mean, obviously, he does. He does it really well. Um, so it just, because he was there for so long and he, but it, it, he does sound, although I would, if I were to write him out phonetically, yeah, I know he does not have a British accent, but there is something where I'm like, yeah, he's got a accent in this movie. It's yes. But kind of like Vincent Price, like everybody thinks Vincent okay. Price is from England. He's from Missouri. <laughs> Literally. Like, I mean, you, you just, there was, there's just some people that have that way of speaking. And what's cool about uh, Donald Sutherland is that yes, he has maybe he, it's the lilt. He kind of has like a a softness to him that a lot of Americans don't have, I guess. Well, he learned it over there in soft old England. He's got a great voice, but it's also not a great voice. It ultimately is, but it's kind of a good and bad voice at the same time. I'll demonstrate. So, his everybody likes the like he has a, a lower pitch, right? Yeah. So that we've got the low pitch, but he also has a little bit of that frog in his throat. <laughs> yeah. So when he says words like body, 
<laughs> oh, dude, everyone was saying Bodies in this yeah, movie. Like, like, yeah. I mean, Thank I, God I don't they know. never said the title because, yeah. yeah, I I yeah. heard more than him say Bodie. Touch me, touch me. I want to feel your body. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got this. It's not like huh, it's not Morrissey, right. and it's not. Huh, 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 it's not like <laughs> Fat Albert, but he's got like that. That sort of. Like kind of garbled, like it's a little bit. That's pretty good, you know. And and it's just a little bit of Kermit the Frog, and but it's nice and it's gentle, and um, but it's it, it really is a nice voice. And he's tall, and he's got these big eyes, and at this time he's got yeah. this curly brown is he hair. Attractive though, he's like no Benedict Cumberbatch. No, he's like one of those people that is like my sister one time said that like sometimes. Well, the French have a word for it. It's jolie led. It's like it means uh, so ugly they're beautiful. Uh-huh. Like uh, like Scotty Pippen. Like he is a really strange looking dude. <laughs> right. But he's so exotic looking that like my sister's like I think Scotty Pippen's kind of attractive. Right. In his own weird ass way. Um. And I think that Donald Sutherland is the same way. But he has those those big kind eyes. He has that like I'm gonna make everything better kind yeah. of. Yeah way about and he really demonstrates that in this and isn't that kind of smile yeah yeah and isn't it a weird thing in this movie i don't know if i've ever known another movie where the relationships between people now this goes back to my whole urban alienation thing the relationships between the people don't seem really like solid but it's all they have so it's like ultimately our love interest is just a boss and his employee. Yeah. But, but you know, the relationship that, that emerges there, we don't see as fake. Cause you no, kind of get the impression. He's probably yeah. always liked yeah, her. Yeah. They you know? definitely do some heavy flirting. Yeah. When she comes over and he's making dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Like they both do. You like some more wine. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> But yeah, they, they really, there's a cute relationship there. And then there's this whole thing, like, thank God her awful ass current real boyfriend is turned into a pod person right away because we kind of hate him anyway. Uh, Yeah. He's not interested in her at all. Yeah. Which is interesting because yeah, they obviously have a relationship, but there's, uh, you know, they don't vibe very well. Or he seems to be wrapped up in his own shit, you know. Maybe they're not a cohesive unit, so he is turned into a pod person very quickly. And then you have someone like uh, 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 Jeff, yeah. Uh, and and what was her name? What's her what's uh, the actress's name? Elizabeth. No, no, no. Oh, his um, wife. His oh, uh, J- uh, that is uh, she From is Alien. Nancy. Nancy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Nancy is the final girl. In Nancy movie. is the wife. Jesus. Okay. Uh, they obviously have a very tight bond. Like he yeah. he when he gets done with his thing and he like comes to her work and like yeah. hangs out. And so they are one of the last ones to be turned. Yeah. No. I and I like you're right. I just thought that was interesting. I like that. I like that. And and I think that um, I think that that's kind of funny that maybe this maybe this sort of encapsulates what it is like to move to the city where, you know, none of these people have known each other for forever, but when shit really starts to hit the fan, it's like, they've all you've got, they're all you've got, you yeah. know? So they really band together that way. Um, but yeah, you're right. That sort of disconnect, like 
there's even that scene. It all seems like throwaway dialogue, but like early on when we see uh, Elizabeth with Jeffrey, her, you know, douchebag uh, wishes he was Willem Dafoe uh, boyfriend. Um, he's even like throwing out something like, you know, I thought about going skiing this weekend. Like yeah, maybe we should go to Vail. And she's like, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? <laughs> right. And it's like, is this, is this where we're at in life now? Like nothing really means anything, but they do have this conversation that I wrote down that is, you know, like I was saying earlier, like this movie, people love to use it as a metaphor for all sorts of different things. The most popular one being communism. And so it's, uh, it's this thing that she says where she's describing the plant that she found, like yeah. you said. And she says, many of the species are dangerous weeds and should be avoided. Look how quickly it roots. Uh, their rapid and widespread growth uh, was uh, originally observed in many war-torn cities of Europe. They thrive on devastated ground. Yeah. So that is the communist revolution of the 19th century in Europe. I mean, you're coming right out and saying it. You can't it. say that about fascism? Well, I suppose you could, but I, I don't know. I I feel like maybe it's just the tie to the fact that this or that the original one came out in the 50s. Right. That it has such a tie to that. Right. But I will say this, though. This was their wink. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was because I don't really feel like that is anything that is pressed at all no. in the rest of the movie. I really think that it's more about, I, I think it's about the sort of maybe realization. Okay. Cause she also has this it's actually other- a consumerism angle there because he's like, listen, we're going to change you and you're going to get, you're going to get to like, keep your car. You'll get to have the same car. Like that's what he's using to like entice them. Like you get to keep all your stuff. It's fine. Right. Like what's, you get the most important thing, which is keeping your belongings. <laughs> right. You lose who you are, but the car. Right, exactly. And they're like, nobody drives a car in the city. <laughs> right. Have um, you driven in this city? It's right. a nightmare. What's funny, though, is that there there is this sort of flip-flop of what what lo- starts to look alien in this movie that is that is exploring this urban... Uh, alienation is when these emotionless pod people start talking to each other. That looks weird in a city. So Elizabeth says, I keep seeing these people all recognizing each other. Something was passing between them all. Some secret. It's a conspiracy. Like, like it's, it's as if like what she's describing is like good old fashioned human interaction, (laughs) but it's taking aliens doing it to be like, well, that's weird. Yeah. People are talking to each other. That's yeah. strange. But I think that that's, and I don't think that. Well, I mean, people are acting outside their roles too. I mean, if you take it literally, she does watch them. Like, it's just like a guy in a suit and just the way he's holding his briefcase. Like, right. He has to hold his briefcase well, maybe, while he's carrying this pod wrapped up and then passing it to, you know, a fucking uh, nurse or whatever. Well, maybe that's what it is then. Maybe this movie is about it taking a sort of catastrophic alien invasion for us to remember our humanity. Sure. That, that it's taken 
it's taken somebody taking it away from us or holding up a mirror to us and saying like, this is what you have become this homogenized, like what happened to the San Francisco of old? You become like this just vanilla. You could take this movie and apply it now to, uh, there's a bevy of, uh, conspiracy theory groups you could find on online. I mean, look at anyone who had someone who like fell into like the Q shit. Where you could apply those lines. Like, he's starting to meet with, like, weird people, and they're, like, seem to have, like, this secret they pass between them. Like, only they know, like, what's up. I do have to laugh. I I saw a headline today where I was like, okay, now this shit has really hit the fan. (laughs) When I saw a headline that, of all people... Tim Robbins is supporting Woody Harrelson. And I'm like, if Tim (laughs) Robbins says it, the most absolute leftist dude in the planet, he's like, I'm fucking done with COVID. Like, seriously, what's what's Woody Harrelson in trouble for? Oh, the, the SNL thing. He's like, he's like, I got this script. He's like, oh, I do know. Yeah, you know that thing. Okay. okay. So a lot of people took offense and they thought that it was, you know, um, misinformation and yada, yada. Yeah. So, um, but anyhow. Anti-vaccine stuff? Well, no, it wasn't is. anti-vaccine. It was more just like, um, yeah, well, kind oh, of. I thought he made an anti-vaccine. Well, he was saying like, like, I got this crazy script about this drug cartel, the biggest gr- drug cartel, and they buy up the media and they buy up the politicians and they force everybody to stay in their homes. And the only way that they can, are allowed out of their homes is if they take this drug uh-huh. but i threw the script away because who's gonna believe that uh-huh. so that's what he said so um but he's also an anarchist so um you know right uh, but anyway it's I, like and, the same thing. and i, I won't and i hey i promised myself like, all of a sudden vaccines are new to people this is what fucking blows me away like <laughs> yeah i've taken several throughout my life but all of a sudden the, the great danger we never knew about well i'll just say the fuck out of here i made up i made up i when we were going to cover this movie, <laughs> I made a promise to myself and I said, there is too much. I will welcome anything you want to say, but I yeah. know I, I just told myself you got to pump the brakes here and there's enough to talk about, especially considering the, the angle that they take with the whole like society or the city life and all that stuff. Yeah. And I said, don't, don't draw any connections, you know, don't make this a personal war. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it is, it is cool that way. And, and I think what's, I think what one thing that this movie does really well is that the sort of gradualness of it all plays out kind of like us discovering things at the same time that they are. Yeah. Um, Like we don't, we don't really know that Leonard Nimoy. We don't even know when Leonard Nimoy no. got turned. Um, we don't know if he's it, just weird anyway. Because well, Leonard what Nimoy. What a breath of fresh air to see Leonard Nimoy yeah. not as Spock. Yeah, and it's like you know he's you don't so have to cool be you don't have to movie. be Pat Boone and like all of a sudden put out a metal album. Like you don't have to go that far. <laughs> right. You could just not be Spock, and then where it's like, oh, like you seem like kind of a cool dude. But, um, yeah, he plays also this sort of like, you know, there was in the 70s, there was a lot of this, you know, when people have a lot of time on their hands, they come up with stuff like psychology and, uh, you know, armchair psychology and that sort of thing. And um, so but I mean, but at the same time, he does seem like he does a really good job at being a really uh, believable and persuasive guy. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, because he comes off as kind, caring, but stern when he needs to be. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, and he's doing, as far as a pod person goes, a phenomenal job. Yeah, I don't think he's a pod person in the beginning. He's too emotional. Yeah, the way he okay. talks yeah. to um to Elizabeth, like the way when he's like discussing, and then he like grabs um uh, Jeff Goldblum, and then he's like, now how, now how did you react to what I just did right yeah. there? Like that, I love that whole sequence. Yeah, he is so good. Like I'm like. Oh wow, Leonard Nimoy was like a shitty therapist before he became an actor because he's like very good. At yeah, right, right. And it feels very much like being like in an acting class in college, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but but no, he's great in it. And and um they all are. And and I think that that's part of what the movie does is I think that kind of talking about that 70s style of directing where it's just sort of hands off a little bit, I think that we don't get a lot of like not a lot of stuff is rammed into our faces. We just sort of feel like an observer in this while it's all happening. And I think that they do a really nice measured job of now I will say the character of Elizabeth does kind of put shit together real fast. Like her husband is acting where her boyfriend is acting weird. You know, he's not himself. There seems to be this epidemic of people being quote unquote, not themselves, but she seems to like put it together real quick. <laughs> and Donald Sutherland is a little hesitant to, to absorb all of that. Yeah. But I think that I mean, she spends one day with Jeffrey and is like, okay, here's what's crazy. Like he's a, it's not him. Right. Yeah. Like I know that I've, like, it's not like this movie exists in their world, you know, where they're like, oh, my God, this is just like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes, like, good point. It would point. be a new concept to them. Right. Despite the fact that we do get a cameo from, uh, is it Kevin Mac McCarthy? McCarthy? Uh, maybe, yeah. Um, and he's the uh, the lead from the original version. Yes. So he comes, you know. And he does the same, the same line, yeah. essentially. Yeah. They're here! <laughs> right and he's also um, the owner of the rival station uhf the only role that's ever mattered for him yes yeah never we'll called we should cover frauds. that movie someday oh, it deserves to. it why not um it's got like a weird alien at the end of it yeah it's like that scary works. yeah <laughs> um but yeah so so this is um and, and if you're wondering about like how the aliens get here. There is a really cool opening scene. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Of of what I've found out is called the cosmic drift theory. Yeah, I guess where it's like, I'm guessing just from the like name, life didn't even start here. Okay, so life started somewhere else. Yeah, and then just these whatever amoebas or or. Well, yeah, Tim. Do you know what tardigrades are? No water bears. No. They are these little, they're not like microscopic, like you could see like a little red dot on a piece of paper, right? Like you could, you can see it technically with the naked eye. Okay. But you need a really nice magnifying, like a electron microscope to see what these things look like. And they're just like a little, like a little sausage roll with these little, uh, like eight legs or whatever, but they're just little stubs. And then like a, like a circular vacuum looking thing on oh, the Oh, I guess I've seen that. Yeah, before. probably if you saw it, you go, oh, yeah, okay. That thing. And that thing, yeah. Uh and they can survive insane conditions. Like you can fucking you can burn them to 500 degrees. You can freeze them to 200 degrees below Celsius. They have survived the vacuum. They have put them in space and then brought them back in. Boom, they come back to life. Like wow. they like don't fucking die. Um so there's you know just based on an organism like that existing, 
then you do start going, well, it would it be plausible there's life on another planet. It gets hit with some sort of, you know, large rock or something. Sure. Sends a chunk flying off oh. as it tri- now it would have to travel a long way through yeah. space. I mean, because there is no life that we really know around here. So it would have to travel because it's not going the speed of light either. I mean, it would have to travel hundreds of thousands of years in space and then land on this planet and be like, and that's probably why. Where am I now? Yeah. That's probably why, like, they chose, like, the, these things, whatever they are, that are floating through space look more like just, like, uh, globules of, of... Yeah, I kind of viewed it as, like, a fungus, like how, how like, a sp- like a spore yeah, will, yes, yeah. will launch itself. Yeah. Way so, before The Last of Us did it. Right, yes. It's the current hotness right now. Yeah. Um, and they're fungus people. That's a that's a fungus disease. Is it? Re- I, yeah. I have not seen that. I know a lot of people are into it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Speaking of really really small things, Robert Duvall has a scene Dude! in this movie. Wait. <laughs> I yeah, he does have a very small and the creepiest part of this movie as well. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. It's like, am I watching The Exorcist three right now? Like. Fucking creepy as hell. Because, I mean, where is he? I meant to look that up. Like, where is he at in his career when this movie comes out? Well, 78. So when when did The Godfather come out? 75. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it would have been before this. 76. Um, oh, yeah. That, so right. he's an established guy. Oh, yeah. Maybe Godfather is like 74. Three. Maybe. <laughs> um, Two. One. Yeah. 1960. You've always been here. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, when we watched this, uh, uh, Nancy actually watched this with me the oh, other nice. day, yesterday maybe. Yeah, it was yesterday. And yeah, because he's at the very beginning of the movie on a yeah. swing set, yeah. dressed as a priest. <laughs> right, yeah. It's a little And they off-putting. even give the camera a POV from him. Yeah. Like they do where he's watching these kids pick these flowers, and then we do a camera shot of like he's on the swing looking at the kids. So real weird. And I'm like, oh shit, Robert Duvall's in this movie too. Like, I don't remember any never, never see him again. Never. Gone. Yeah. And then I totally forgot about it and then just put it on today while I was doing stuff and glanced up. And I was like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Duvall. He was never in the movie. Maybe Robert Duvall was supposed to play Leonard Nimoy's part and like Leonard Nimoy strangled him and like knocked him out and then just like walked on set and finished off the whole rest of the part. Like, how do you have Robert Duvall in your movie for literally 30 seconds? Yeah. That's uh, just having fun. I got to look up. Uh, yeah, because he was doing shit in the 60s. It's true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, film. Uh, oh, God damn it. So, yeah, by the time he did this, yes, he was in The Godfather. He was in a lot of stuff. Godfather Part 2. Oh, Godfather, by the way, is 1972. 72, yeah. okay. But definitely before Days of Thunder. Yeah. Okay. He does Apocalypse Now after this. Okay. So, I, you know, I mean, he hadn't really done anything of note since Godfather Part 2. So, maybe he was kind of struggling, you know? I don't know. The Eagle has landed. Was that a big movie? I, I I don't know a lot of his starring early roles other than Godfather stuff. Did you notice um, st- talking about just cool things in general? How about that retractable phone cord? 
very weird. Yeah, never saw that. Before. I never. I've never seen it. There's yeah. a there's a, a scene with Elizabeth talking on the phone. She's in her kitchen. And there's, you know, like, like, I mean, I remember having a phone in my kitchen that had like, that was a, a sort of rectangle shape wall mounted. It had a chalkboard on it. This is about the size of, I don't know, maybe eight by 11, maybe yeah. a little bit bigger than that. And it's kind of like a, just a flat gray plastic and her phone cord, as opposed to being the wound up one that all of us struggled with yeah, our whole lives coiled. is just a straight cord that almost looks Kind of like a like a phone wire yeah, in like a wall, wire. but it just like goes right like right yeah, back into, into yeah. the box, right? Which was one of my million dollar idea. I might as well just make somebody rich. One of my million dollar ideas <laughs> like where landline phone idea. It, well, it was for a to, if you like, let's say you move into an old house yeah. and that the outlet is in a really awkward place and maybe you blow dry your hair or whatever every morning, like yeah. something you would use every morning. But it's in an awkward place and you don't want to always have it plugged in or you don't want to have to always plug it in or whatever. So what you do is you have it's picture like a disc, almost the size of like a uh, like a deodorizer disc, like a plastic disc. <laughs> but the cord is is uh, uh, spring loaded in there so that you can you can plug it and then maybe you flip it upwards to like lock it in place so that it holds itself in the outlet. <laughs> OK, but then you can pull the retractable cord out to plug in. And then when you're done, you just pull it, put it back in. Oh, it, it's one of the I, OK. It's like if you have a device that isn't long enough enough to use it in front of a mirror. Yeah. It won't plug into the wall from where you have to stand. Yeah. So you have to attach it to something else. So you have a retractable one. So what, basically what I'm saying is rather than just having an extension cord, ugly flopping around in your bathroom all the time, yeah. you've got a retractable unit. That's always plugged into that outlet. Oh, okay. That's, that's go make some cool money. Idea. People go, yeah. go make some money. Not that, there was always that. And my other idea was the, uh, the fiberglass forms for people to use in their yard. So you have fiberglass forms. Maybe you want to spell your kid's name. Oh, maybe right. you want to like a sea serpent or something and you pack it with the soil, like a chia pet idea, yeah. but it's in your yard. So you can build hills into your yard. You can build arches into your yard and you pack the soil in and then you water it. And then you have like this yard come to life, right? Go make a million dollars. I swear mow, to God. You're going to mow your kid's name. Yeah. <laughs> Right. We'll take out some aggression there. Just weed whack. Like I'll show that fucker. Um, yeah. I like the, I like the plug idea, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's more plausible. Um, I'd use the, the plug. So, so for, for score here, I mean, I don't know if it's overly memorable other than I, I did write down a note here where I liked that it was kind of like good old fashioned, like overly dramatic, maybe a little bit of an ode to the fifties or yeah. whatever. Um, I don't know if that really continues it's all the way. An atmospheric purpose. Event yeah. Yeah. Eventually it gets there. Um but uh but yeah, so as the movie goes on, I think that obviously the pivotal scene is where we as an audience and and our cast has the scene that you mentioned where in the mud bath we see their they see for the first time a replicant. Yeah. You know? Um and it's for 78, the effects are pretty fucking good in this. Yeah. Like, they're not great. You know well, that they they're not. They don't really try and do. I think having the plants was a smart idea. Here's what's also. here. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. So I mentioned last week we watched Men in Black. Yeah. And how fucking amazing it was. Uh, we did a double feature yesterday. We watched this, but first we watched Men in Black 2. 
uh, utter fucking trash. Garbage. <laughs> like, is Tommy I, Lee Jones I, I, in that? I didn't remember it being good. Like, I remember not liking it. Uh, I was so angry at how shitty this movie was. Now, to their credit, I guess, like, it was kind of a cursed production. The end, like, the third act of that movie took place at the World Trade Center, and they wrapped, they wrapped filming, like, September of 2001. <laughs> yeah, and so they had to, like, their third act is awful. Like, it's it's terrible. But anyway, the villain in that is a plant. Like, she's a plant alien. Yeah. Um, it's Lara Flynn, Flynn Boyle. Yeah. When she was uh, a big name. But the... The effects in it, especially where you're like, wow, the first Men in Black did so well. I bet the budget for the second one, it's going to look great. And the effects are so, I cannot describe how bad they are. Like, it's unbelievable. You feel like the movie was part of a con to get money. Like, they didn't spend the money. So the these tendrils, these plant tendrils she shoots out, like, they look like snakes. Like, they're, like, shiny and scaly. Ugh. So bad. Um also, a bigger part, because Tony Shalhoub is in the first one, and they yeah. gave him like a bigger part in this one. Um, Tony Shalhoub, husband of... Yeah, yeah. Brooke, Brooke, right. yeah, Brooke Adams. Brooke Adams, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, as I'm looking up, I'm like, <laughs> holy shit! Not only are we dealing with plants again invading the country, fucking yes. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub is married to the lead of this movie, so... A lot like the connections way more fun than the actual uh, Men in Black Two. Is Tommy Lee Jones in the second one? He is. Is he good in it? Um, no, he looks bored as fuck. Did that that stuff that happens with the twin towers? Is it? And I'm not. I, I swear to no, God, never I'm not mentioned. Being, not is, in it at all. It, but I mean, it's not explosive at all or anything. Or is, I don't know. I'm just wondering. Dude, no one will ever see that footage. Oh, like, it's it was not supposed to be. Oh. No, it's not in the. Oh, yeah, it's not they were in like, it. like like the the movie oh, was yeah. done. And then 9-11 happened, and I was they were just, like, I, I think we need to change our third act. I was just wondering. Okay. My morbid mind. I was. I thought you were saying it was in the movie, and I wondered if there had to be somebody who died in the towers that saw the footage, like, <laughs> in the movie. It's just and, like and, that movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that poor guy. Jeez, you ever heard that recording? Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, at the memorial, that's a fun place to visit. Uh, you been there? Oh yeah. They play the recording at the yeah. memorial. Oh no! Dude, well, it's not a fun trip. I've never been to New York City, <laughs> so when I My, go yeah, there, wait your second time. Yeah, go there. I'll find go the fucking the first time. Just go have fun in New York. I'll go to the fucking mud baths. Is <laughs> yeah, what I'll go do. Go to the mud baths. <laughs> for crying out loud! <laughs> right. Um, um, so yeah, uh, great plant crossover. Uh, this was a but so my main point was I liked the plants. I liked it being a plant. Um, they, it's just kind of uh, it's an interesting idea because this planet itself has essentially plants and animals, right? Uh, mushrooms might or mushrooms are plants. Yes. Uh, but they act like animals. But so, you know, you have plants and animals. What's to say on some alternate planet, the plants don't become the dominant species yeah. However, you know, however that evolution works out. Sure. Maybe it can't. Who knows? But I did like that idea. Um, and so they don't, you know, I, I think they're, the effects that they had, it's not like the thing where it's this biological 
meaty replicant thing where you have to have like fucking so much blood and uh you know stuff like that you can almost you can do whatever you want really it's a plant uh but i think just having kind of wispy tendrils on something is enough to be like oh okay like that's different I, I, I like that. Can I tell you something? And then I, the the people who were afflicted by it would kind of get that. Like, yeah, all the times flaky. where people were almost going to die. Yeah. Let me tell you something before I have to go pee. Oh, you I have a personal weird thing. I don't know if I had a dream about this, but it's always stuck with me or just when I've seen it in movies. But kind of like the thing, I suppose, would be a great example. I get really creeped out by like tendril type things like coming out of like people's faces or stuff like that to me is really gross. Like, like that sort of like growth within the body, like is creepy. Now in this movie, it's, I think they do it with, it's got finesse, I guess like the wispiness of the, like almost, it's almost like fishing line, you know? So it's interesting that way, but um, it seems gentle. Yeah. Kind of. Yes. Um, and it, it does make you wonder. Now, this was the real interesting question. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with a fucking hard one. <laughs> a hard one. And I want you to really think through it. If you were in this situation and things were as desperate, when, when I, where I really love this movie, where yeah. I love it, is where it's at its most desperate and sc- scary, I feel... When Donald Sutherland and um, Brooke Adams are like in the weeds, like running away, like now there's not even a building to hide in or anything. They're just out in the open running. And it seems like and then they realize like we're oh, they say like, oh, we'll get away on the ship and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Only to realize that they're harvesting these things to take them all over the world. Right. If you were in this situation, oh man. And it's your family, it's uh-huh. your 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 kids, your wife. Would you ever be tempted to say, maybe the best thing is to just give <laughs> in just and give be in. happy? I mean, I my kid did watch some of this, and she was like, "Yeah, I'd give up right away." <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Um, you know, I guess that goes back to what I was saying before. Are there some pluses to? existing within a hive mind sure again if i could uh, send my kid to school and know that i would never get you know uh, some sort of alert that the school has been locked down uh, for the third time uh, in two weeks that would be cool um but you know would uh and i can say here's the thing about being the hive mind as well and I'm starting to do it too. I'm approaching it from a human. From the outside, it looks awful. But if you're in the hive mind, it's awesome. It's awesome. You don't know. Uh, so I wouldn't, is as in the hive mind, wouldn't be like, oh, I kind of regret this decision. I wish that, you know, my kid was, uh, exp- you know, exploring some of her artistic side. Like, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't care. Yeah, that's that's kind of the theme that's just sort of, it's almost impossible to separate yourself from. Yeah. Because as the, as the, as of, as just a viewer, you would be like, like, no, don't ever give up. But like, it's kind of like the end of, um, like, have you ever seen nine, uh, 1984? Yeah. Okay. So the Steven Spielberg movie. 
No. The, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, <laughs> 1942. Yeah. 19, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, 1984. Yes, yes, I have seen that. Yes. So it, we're at, it's kind of like by the end of it, you're sort of so broken down that you have like, uh, they've sort of broken your spirit, you yeah. know, um, kind of like, uh, or Jack Nicholson at the end of Cuckoo's Nest, where it's like, they've just, I mean, that's more severe, but like, is, is that that peacefulness while you, while Jack Nicholson doesn't know because he's been lobotomized. Yeah. Um, and why these, while these people don't know because they become part of that hive mind or whatever, is there still some sort of, I don't even know how to call it. Like a, is there a cosmic loss there somewhere? I mean, like you, yes, you don't know it, but even if you don't, even if you're not going to remember it still feels like something worth fighting for. Right. I'd still have to make the conscious decision to yeah. say, well, I'm not going to fight it. Tim, I'm dealing with it right now. I live in a state that uh, is run by fucking assholes who feel the need uh, to bring up legislation to target trans people and gay people. And having those types of people in my family, yeah, it, there is a part of me that's like, well... How, you know, how much effort do I put into fighting this? Will my fight be amount to anything or can I just move away and forget that it happens? You know, uh, my, all my, you know, one kid is gone. The other one is almost of age where she can leave. So it's not something that's going to affect us very much, hopefully. But at the same time, I'm like, I, you know, I feel strongly against it. Uh-huh. So I feel like I should fight for it, but I feel like the size of my gun right. uh, is inconsequential uh, to the size of the guns that I'm going up against. And That's... so do I just go, well, this is a nice area to live in as long as the people who are going to be affected by it that I love can get out of it. And it's not really going to affect me personally. Do I just sit by and be like, what am I going to fucking do? I oppose it, but you know, I have only one voice. Yeah, that's uh that's a really nice that's a really nice personal angle on that. And that's uh I kind of feel like part of me wants to just fucking say whatever. I'm just not going to do anything. And that's the sad, that's the saddest part of my own realization is I'm like if I don't move away, I'm going to have to just be like, well, that's fucking how it is here. You know what's funny is or not funny, but it's interesting. Like that's part of the ignorance is bliss thing, because like there have been times over the last you know w- year or so that I've kind of really sat and not even in a sad way, because at least I benefited from it. But um, like I kind of feel like our time frame of growing up, being a kid in the 80s and a teenager in the 90s and, you know, still being a young person in the early 2000s, that we literally got the best run that America had to offer as far as like, I'm just talking like fun, right? Like fun experience, whatever. And I don't know if people romanticize the 80s. I think the 90s rule. Well, and, and including that as well. But I think to myself, like, while that might be true, it's it's also a realization that it's because a lot of things that were affecting people were not at the forefront. So when those things are brought to the forefront, it's less comfortable. Right. Um, And you can't just stick your head in the sand. Um, But you know, yeah, it does. It does kind of feel like this where it's like, I just want to go back to where I didn't even think about this stuff, (laughs) which is awful. Right. Right. It's selfish. (laughs) 
It makes it so much easier. Right. So yeah. Like, come yeah. on. We're here yeah, for a right. flash, flash yeah. in the pan. We're in our late 40, <laughs> mid to late 40, early to mid 40s. And uh, yeah. And so, no, I, I don't know. That's a really, I know, I, I'm glad that you shared that. That's, that's really, um, that kind of drives it home that this sort of thing is real, that we all have decisions that we have to make. Um, and I, if there is a positive spin on it, I guess that overall people probably feel like they have more of a voice than ever before. Yeah. So while that doesn't fix everything, I don't mean to be like, everything's fine, <laughs> but, but you know, I feel like, um, silence isn't as easily inflicted as it once was. Right. And so I guess that that's moving in the right direction. And I think it's going to get really messy before it gets better. Mm -hmm. But I think that at least those conversations are on the table now. Yeah. So let's hope it gets better. <laughs> yeah. There's the better. I, most people I like agree better. On the messy part. I'm just hoping we <laughs> then, you know, do the old adage. Yeah. That'd be great. One we'd have to eventually, right? One, we're, yeah, yeah. Hope we all so. like things. Be, hope yeah, so. people generally like things being better as opposed to worse. So <laughs> you would think that that's all people had to go on. They would do the right thing. But <laughs> you'd be amazed. One part in this movie that we haven't really talked about, we touched on, but that what's kind of neat is that this thing comes for you while you're sleeping. Yeah. Right. So part of that is, I mean, kind of uh, seems to drain you too. Like when you're being grown, maybe you are just like, Oh yeah. I'm wiped out. Yeah. I got replicated today. <laughs> or, or yeah, guy, man. Yeah. Knocked out. Just gonna take work a little, all day. Yeah. And then I got to come home. And what be time replicated? is our dinner with uh, the Johnsons? <laughs> all right. I'm just going to take like a 45 minute. Wake me up in 45 minutes. Um, but, <laughs> but no, that's the thing. So, but, but what's cool about that now, I mean, it's, I guess it's thinly veiled. Like what they're probably trying to say is that if you, and I promise I'm not going to, I will not spin this into some variation of woke. Do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. Do it. <laughs> I'm going to make you define but it. But what, what I'm saying is, is that the idea is, is that if, if you fall, if you metaphorically fall asleep in your own life, you become like a copy of yourself. Yeah. You're not really engaged in life anymore. You're not really making those connections. You're just sort of asleep at the switch and going through the motions and keeping up with the Joneses. And, you know, you could, you could apply that to anything. You could apply it to middle-aged people giving up. You could apply it to, you know, any number of things. So but, is that good or bad? I just. Oh, it's bad. Okay. Yeah. It's right, bad. It's bad. Um, <laughs> I know where you're, yeah, you're just really, I don't need yeah. to say anything, <laughs> but I just need to move over for the elephant in the room. Yeah, no, that's just, that's just uh, semantics right there. But, uh, but no, yes. The idea of now the elephant canceled me cause I didn't call it a pachyderm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, elephant. Um, yes, but, <laughs> um, I know I will not fat shame the elephant. I promise. Um, but no, I I think that it's it's trying to say that if you if you if you disengage from human interaction, if you disengage from 
maybe meaningful interaction. Yeah. Like she's in this relationship with this douchebag and, and, and Donald Sutherland is a really nice guy who really likes her. Dude, right. The way she smiles at him when yeah. he jokingly is like, do you want more wine? It's, right. She's like, why are you like, like, why are you guys not oh, fucking right now? You yeah. are so much. <laughs> right. And I love it. There's a, there's a little, like, this isn't really on the same topic, but there's a scene where they're like, well, to the uh, to the point of trying to stay awake, there's a scene where they kind of break into their own laboratory, like yeah. re-break into it, and they find these pills. And she she finds them and she calls <laughs> them speed part. pills. Yeah. And she says, well, the bottle says to take one. And without hesitation, he just goes, take five. Take five. <laughs> so it's awesome. So, but... uh yeah, that's that's kind of um, the Which I thing. Which saves them because then they are given yes. sedatives. Yeah, maybe the same way. To, man, the way he fucking chokes I'm, out Joel Goldblum yeah. with the darkness neck. Yes, but I think maybe that's what these movies are getting at is that it's the same thing in X. Like, you got to be on speed to survive <laughs> right. these like, deadly situations. you got to be awake. Um I don't see an opioid crisis here. Seems to be saving everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's not speed. What am I talking about? Right. No. Yeah. So there yeah. is still an opioid yeah. crisis. Solve right. it with speed. Yeah. Yeah. Stay awake. Yeah. As long as you're awake, you know, who's got time to take opium when there's, you know, the gutters to be cleaned out. Right. Um, Again, <laughs> I just saw a leaf fall in there. Yeah, right. I've I've been staring at it from the perch that I built of the tree just across the way, but uh, <laughs> I'm not. I didn't even put on any deodorant so that I blend in with the animal life around me. I, I've become one with the. Uh, I do like the sleeping though because it it does. You know, I don't think the life form is malicious. It it is doing what it promises. It's like listen. You're going to have all like the same memories and stuff. It's just like there won't be any conflict in your life. The transition will be very smooth and very painful. You will do it'll happen in your sleep. Like again, it's not like the thing where it shoves a bunch of tendrils in you and starts to spit you out of its body. Well, it's right. It's like you're just going to fall asleep and then wither away as a husk. Right. Yes, right. But the real key is when they say there there'll be no more hate. And no more love. Right. So that's that's what you're Tough losing. Trade off. I remember one time I before I got uh, especially put on, if you love hate, man, then you're right. Fucked. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Right. That. I think uh, the guys from Miami Inc. Their uh, tattoo studio is called Love Hate. So like that's gone. <laughs> Close go. that. Um, when I first got put on some medication for ADD, they they tried to put me on something else that was uh, that does have some. Uh, uh, effectiveness with that, but it's also used as like an antidepressant or whatever. And I remember how I felt on that and I, I couldn't stand it. I, it was like, nothing was too good. Nothing was too bad. Yeah. Just zombified. And I, I, oh, it was gross. It made me feel gross. Yeah. And um, maybe there are people that have such aggravated levels of depression or whatever, that that zombification is a better state than the alternative. <laughs> right. like, uh, but for me, it was like, like, like yeah, I'm like, like this is, bath. yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Um, but I just, yeah. So I just, I'm not all about that. And I, I don't know. I think that this movie is cool in that two things. Ultimately, it's about the perseverance and the fight 
uh, for the human spirit, only to kill it completely at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Like, fuck your happy ending. Like, we are going to, you know, attach some realism to this, which is kind of feels like these guys are pretty good at what they do. Yeah. These aliens. And um, and ultimately, yeah, we this character that we've sort of lost sight of that we have no reason to believe that she's dead, alive, pod person, not, we don't know. We've kind of forgotten about her. Yeah. As Nancy, the the uh, the wife. Because she uh, runs off with Goldblum, and then we see Goldblum turned later. Yeah. So you just kind of are like, they got caught together. Sure. And then, now I will say this. I had a memory of it being a little bit more ambiguous as to whether or not Donald Sutherland was turned or not. And that when he does the like open mouth point, yeah. you know, thing that that's like a big, a bigger shocker. I yeah. was, I, you know, because it does show him in the few scenes before that going through his life, cutting out these clippings that he used to do in a weird sort of way. like yeah. a hob- So he's still, I think that that's what it's saying is like, yes, he's still doing the things that he always did, you know, but sort of emotionless. There was something, oh fuck that. I meant to write that down. Cause I noticed it when I was watching it again, something interesting in the, not like that pertains really to the movie, but in whatever he was clipping at the beginning, it felt like it was referencing something else or something. I don't know. It's not important. Yeah, no, no, no. I like that stuff though. I like that yeah. that that uh, little fun hidden stuff. Um, but yeah. So and ultimately, you know, we do think that we're going to get this sort of uh, happy ending. And really, I'll tell you, it's it's kind of a double devastating ending because. <laughs> You know, when he just goes to check on these ships that they're going to get away on, like just like in that, like whatever, six minutes. Right. She falls asleep and is replicated right away. Elizabeth. Yeah. And uh, and it's really, you know, granted, her face does sort of collapse. That part's so cool. But it's and he gives like a. (laughs) His cry is so. But it's real. Yeah. Because it's like a scream, but a cry and a gasp. Kind but of it's, all... still, it's still, it's <laughs> yeah, still, what is that? Uh, your body. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, but it's sad. It's sad as fuck. And it's lonely. It's like, it's like a nightmare. It's yeah. like, I have nightmares all the time of being like lucid enough to know that where I'm at is wrong. But I have to keep my shit together to not let the people know that I know that it's wrong. I just got to escape on the down low. Yeah, I have that nightmare a lot. And so that really connected to me where it's like, this guy is dead fucked. The cops are on are all aliens. Yeah, every the pilot, everybody like it's such a lonely ass feeling. And then so that like how we don't know how fast it goes, because if you do kind of pay attention, like there's a shot. Uh, when he's like at work, like when he's first talking to her and they're kind of walking down the hall, yeah, they pass by a door where a guy is just like <laughs> standing in the door, like in the, you can see him through the glass, but it's like that yeah. textured glass. Yeah. <laughs> but you're just like, wait, was that, or is that just some weird seventies thing? Like, that's also kind of the thing where you're like, is that just some weird, like seventies film technique where like, they were just like, Oh, the background guy wasn't doing his right. right thing, but we're, we don't have a lot of film. We got to keep going. Yeah. And, and I, I did, <laughs> but it re- definitely is people are watching them. I did read something. Now I didn't pick up on all of it, but apparently if we, re- if we watch it again and we know what to look for, 
apparently there's a lot more things interspersed just like that yeah. that are supposed to unsettle us, yeah. like as we go. The guy waxing the hall. Yeah. The janitor. Yeah. I love the uh, – when he goes to the dry cleaning place and the guy's like, that's not my wife. And she's just like side yeah. sidestepping her way. And yeah. She just stares at him like – you got to do a little better to not raise suspicion then be like, he's crazy. Anyway, have a good day. Bye. Yeah. Meanwhile, his wife is just like, you know, no ticky, no washy, oh, you God. know. Um, but I, <laughs> no, I just, that's, no, I don't mean, we'll we cut, cut that out and post. Out. <laughs> but anyhow, um, yeah. So we get a double like downer ending with that. You know, he doesn't, they, we don't get our, our couple, together at the end when we do think that we finally find a a friendly face he's been turned and there's really no hope for her i mean if if we're being honest with ourselves um so i think she knows it too her reaction is more like yeah it's kind of like you are the chosen one anakin right yeah she thought she had the high ground yeah she no but you're right though there there is that look on her face where it's just kind of like that I've been holding out hope, right, to find any somebody, anybody, and I'm, and she's really good at blending in, and then she finally thinks that she finds somebody, and it's like, no, this is this is just it, yeah. and it just fucking ends. That's such a good shot. Oh, it's great. What are your favorite shots in this movie? I have a couple. Well, one's like a shot, and one's a sequence. Yeah, I would say. Um, there was that shot that I mentioned about just because I appreciated the framing of the wedge between Nimoy and and Sutherland. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of uh, those cool, like, uh, especially early on in the movie, there were some of those, I hate to call them this again, like the European zooms. Yeah. Like that you see in a lot of European movies yeah. where there's these dramatic long zooms. But um but no, I, I'm interested to hear something like well, what, what? Well, kind of, yeah, they use it a lot in this scene. The scene where he comes back with the cops after he's rescued Elizabeth and he sees the body growing there and he brings the police back. And so everyone's crowded in this bedroom and it's like they're just using the handheld and they just keep like jumping around and zooming around to different people. There's one shot where as they're leaving, like it kind of moves from one guy, then kind of like hangs on one of the detectives. And kind of like does this weird pivot around his head to then yeah. hit the rest of the room. Uh, but yeah, th- and that's a lot of dialogue. When you were talking about the the dialogue, a lot of that's going yeah, on. And yeah. they're like, yeah, you know, Leonard Nimoy is like, yeah, well, he took her back to his place. He's like, don't tell them where we took her. And like, oh, so are you talking about the missing lady? And like, so you have the missing lady. And that camera work is so it's all handheld. It's so hectic. Yeah. But it just it it it. I love the way that it, you know, portrays that scene of the, this is all I need to do is I need to show the cops what's wrong. I'm done with this problem. It's their problem now. And now, oh shit, all my evidence is gone and I look crazy. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what that shot is. And it came before what I'm about to describe, but I think. Okay, the evolution goes like this. There was the shaky cam of NYPD Blue. Yeah. And then there is the sort of like mockumentary of like The Office. Yeah. 
But I think this is a better version of that. When you're trying to show a naturalistic observer yes. camera movement and and frame and lens, I think this does it better than all of that. Yeah. Like those things are more like the thing in the office is more not to be heady about it, what they call cinema verite, which is where like the 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 camera is a, a part of the scene, right. like the that it, it it is a part of. What's they know happening. there's a camera. Yes. They're filming that, right? Exactly. So, but but this is different though. This is more of that French New Wave. Like, let's just let's let these people just do what they let these actors go, yeah. and let's just observe this is what like they're doing in a video game. Like, there's sometimes you know you can especially in these bigger open world games, maybe you can get like a free floating camera or something like that. Like a, a lot of games will have like a photo mode. So if you're doing something epic, you know, you pause it in this photo mode and you can rotate the camera, zoom in, zoom out. Like that's what this felt like. Like just having like a free reign of a floating camera that no one can see. It's kind of, yeah. It's kind of like when, if you've ever been like in a, maybe it's a board meeting or maybe it's like, Maybe you're getting ready to like build a set or something for a show and you're trying to figure something out and you've got six different people trying to figure something out at the same time. And like one person's voicing this thing and we could try this and we could try that. And it sort of captures that vibe of the room when that is happening, this sort of like electricity of of just uh like you don't know who to look at. Like everyone's talking at once. Who who's giving me the information that I need? So good. It's great. So that's my favorite sequence. And, they, and then my they, favorite oh yeah. no, my favorite ahead. shot is kind of the scene before that when he goes to rescue Elizabeth, he sneaks into her house and there's like one shot where he's like he breaks into a bedroom or whatever and then he has to go through the house. But there's like a shot where it's it starts horizontal almost like the 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 hallway is horizontal and the way he pokes his head out of the door oh yeah it's like he pokes his head straight up into the frame and then he starts walking but it's just like the way the angle that he's at and then as he as he starts walking through it rotates back down but it's such a weird there's a lot of um i noticed this speaking of not not being a theme of like not recognizing people in yeah. this movie. I don't know if you pick this up. A lot of uh, distorted imagery in this movie. There's, yes. Uh, when they go to the book signing, there's like these weird circus mirrors there yeah. that Jeff Goldblum is sure. reflected in. Uh, w- when he first goes to do his health inspecting, where he's, I mean, the best city health inspector in the world uh, yes. he's able just to whisk into a kitchen and find the one rat turd in the calf brains and red <laughs> yes. wine sauce. Um, which, which, at that point, what does has, it matter? Which also has capers in it. Like yeah. he's able to just by glancing at it. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, because he finds this restaurant, they throw a bottle of wine at his car. And so now his windshield is shattered. So every time he drives mm. around and is viewing, the world in front of him, it's through this distorted, can't see clearly. Right. Good stuff. That's and good filmmaking right It there. is good. And maybe what it's, maybe, now this might be a little bit too heady, but maybe it's showing the beauty in things not being perfect. Okay. That like, it's it's something that's used in like native weeding, weaving or, or pottery making where it's the mistakes. They do the native weeding first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but those imperfections are what, what make it perfect and what make it unique. And maybe that's, 
he's very much human and seeing things through that cracked and distorted view, or maybe it's not perfect, but at least it's real. Yeah. So that's very interesting. I like that a lot. That's very cool. It was very odd. Also my last kind of tidbit, very odd conversation. It sets up, I'm sure it's just to set up a shot where our the guy from the first movie runs out. Yeah. He's like, no, oh, I love doing that. Um, <laughs> he where they're driving and it's like a shot from the back seat and it's you know it's just their face on either side talking to each other and he's like telling her a story right about I don't even remember what the story was and then like midway through she just goes oh yeah you did tell me that and he's like oh oh okay. <laughs> and then she, no, it's a joke. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, he's like, well, joke. can I say yeah. it again? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she yeah. just stops him. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, you told me that one. And he's like, oh yeah, can I tell it to you? But but and then the guy interrupts them. But yeah, it is just kind of odd. Like, but isn't it so weird? And maybe it's just because you and I are the age that we are, and that we were little kids when this happened. But it's like movies today. Like, if you were to shoot that scene in New York City. I don't know if it's because of the the technology advancement or whatever, but you know that sort of like uh, dizzy buzz that you feel when you get into the city. Yeah. You know, when you go from here and you get off the train and all of a sudden you're walking at the same pace with everybody. Yeah. These movies feel like Nancy, that. Nancy, ignore, ignore that part. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that a thing? Yeah, she's slow. In this okay. Side. It's pretty um, But these movies. She's getting much better. She will. Because I do. I'm like. We're in the city. We got to yeah, walk. You and get that sometimes cadence. I'm like, are you, are you doing this on purpose? Like, are you walking backwards? <laughs> where are Where are you going? <laughs> right. <laughs> but don't these movies feel like city more than like if we shot something in the city? Now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it feel that that sort of electric buzz of being in the city. Yeah. Well, yeah. They a lot of on location stuff, too, in this, which right. is, it helps immensely. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I don't know. Maybe it's just what we're connecting uh, ourselves to as being a kid and and film looking like this. And yeah. The film quality. Oh, maybe oh that's, I see what you're saying. But I mean, but. But it's like we can't – it's almost like we can't touch that anymore. No. It's just great. It's a memory. It's just an experience. Yeah. And, pe- you know, younger people who uh, might watch this movie, I don't – I would love to know what that's like. Like because we grew up with this look. What's yeah. that like to experience that for the first time? To only sure. live in like a digital world and then be like, what the fuck is 35 millimeter? Right. Right. Yeah. Is there a disconnect there for them? I mean, because even me being the fan of of 50s movies that I am, which to me are our generation were old, quote unquote, old movies, which also have an insane distinct to them. So I wonder if if they like that or if that is like unsettling to them. I I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's like, a oh, I like the look of that, but I'm not going to sit down and watch 10 of those movies because it looks, you know. But here's the thing. At some point, we have to start, like, we're all about putting down things of the past, um, you know, when something is passe or whatever. But at some point in modern society, we have to start recognizing some of these things as, like, classics, you right. know? Like, we have to, even if it looks old, like, Mozart... Mozart's music sounds old. I'll just, I'm going to say it. It sounds like it's not music from now. Right. And we love it. Yeah. And we appreciate it. At some point, even when, you know, movies 
apparently lacks somebody off camera to like add some more powder to your face. So you're not look like you've been sweating for three days. We get past that and still appreciated it as classic cinema. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know. I think that, I think that this movie is really fucking good. Yeah, I do too. And, and there's a part of me that thinks it's too long, but I don't know what I'd cut. And I was, will sit here and talk about every part of the movie and not be like, we could have done without, I don't know. It's a good point. But I don't even, I don't think the runtime was excessive. It's two hours. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. I mean, I, I'm saying that's like, we're like at the cusp here, like two hours. Yeah. For, especially for a conventional horror movie. It didn't need to be any longer. Let's put no, it that way. No. That Yeah, that for sure. Um, yeah, got a st- strong recommend for Invasion of the Body Snatchers <laughs> from 1978. Yeah, a strong recommend for me as well. And one that like, because I put it out on, you know, I'll put out these little teasers usually on Thursdays for our upcoming episodes. Yeah. And I'm going to say that this one didn't generate like a ton of buzz. Okay. Um, But I don't. I I mean, I know that we used to talk about this all the time about like, have people seen this movie or whatever? And I'm I'm kind of tired of asking that question. But <laughs> I will say, though, that I'm going to be honest. I genuinely don't think a lot of people have seen this movie, even maybe maybe even of our age. They might have seen it on TV late at night, caught a, a glimpse of it or five or ten minutes of it. Yeah. But um, I th- go out and watch Invasion of Body Snatchers. The, listen, the only thing I've ever literally heard anyone say about this movie is, oh, the, the one with the Donner Sutherland at the end and he's pointing. Yeah. That's yes. all anyone remembers from this movie. Yes. Which is an amazing shot. It's so good. Yeah. Um, And uh, who came up with the T-shirt idea of that picture when it says Tron? That was that was Burn Dog and okay. I. That was a friend of ours riffing on like I was. He was trying to like talk up Tron, uh-huh. and I was saying how like while I was super thrilled for Tron, like everyone was. Oh, is this when the, the new one came out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So we were, that kind of generated the discussion. And I'm like, at the end of the day, it's a little fucking boring. Like, I mean, Tron is a little boring. So we were trying to think of like the most excitable image that you could think of. And it was Donald Sutherland pointing with his eyes open wide and his mouth wide open. And then the word bubble of Tron exclamation point. Um, Looked just so fucking good in the Tron font, or just like as its own word. <laughs> Not originally, but now, <laughs> okay, yes, perfect. absolutely right, yeah. now. <laughs> that's, so awesome. that's so great. Yes, I'd watch Tron again, or it's or maybe it's just him pointing at Malcolm McDowell doing the mouth thing as he's being fed in Clockwork, like a version of the Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, yes, I do that as well. Oh god, um, that yeah. Would be good. But definitely go out and, uh, well, this was, I believe, free. Uh, yeah, it's on HBO Max. Yeah, HBO Max. Yeah. Which they say is going away. I hope not. I kind of like HBO Max. Uh, yeah, who I who knows what's happening with that. Uh, I've got like 12 of those fucking streaming services now. Yeah, it's like, it seems like such an easy thing to do. And just every time I hear something a streaming surf service is doing... I'm like, who who said that was a good idea? Like, th- no one likes that idea. Right. Uh, yeah, like, HBO Max dumped a bunch. Like, they canceled a ton of, like, their shows and shit like that. Because they're, like, merging with Discovery. 
And so the CEO is like, people love the discovery stuff. I don't even I don't even know. I don't even know what their plans are. I just know they're like getting rid of unless you're the last of us and are like the greatest thing. You know, they're like Netflix now where Netflix is just like, unless you're Stranger Things, we'll give you a season. Yeah. And it's like, and maybe ev- two if someone talks about it. And it's like every, does every single channel need a plus? Yeah, like no, I'm, that will I'm waiting out. for like, I used to watch this random like public Irish, which is uh RTE. Um, but I like, I don't need RTE plus, you right. know, plus, um, but it's like, yeah, but I still fall for it. And then I don't cancel the trial membership. And then here we go. Yeah. Just add it to it. Another six ninety nine a month or whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Cause I've got showtime that I got just to watch the show. Yellow jackets. Oh yeah. A show I didn't like as much as everyone else who likes it. Well, let me tell I, here's you something. The, thing. the last episode was good. And so then we were like. It was kind of funny because as we were watching, like the we we watched the last two episodes on the same day. Yeah, but we were commenting just like, why do our friends love the show so much? Like it's okay, it's kind of a good you know it's good mystery. I just don't think things are fleshed fleshing out in the right pace, so I don't really care that much. So as we're watching the last two episodes, where they bring a lot of their uh, more emotional stuff, you know we'd be sitting there and like one of us would just kind of like sniff or something and be like, I just haven't taken my allergy medicine. I don't want you to think this show is affecting me in any way, but it was a show by the end. We were like, like the last episode was good enough to where I'm like, well, now I guess I'll reluctantly watch season two out of obligation. That's where I feel with it right now. Uh, But no offense. If you love that show, you know, it's, it's got a lot of hallmarks of stuff I, I you know, it's it's like Lost. So there are things in it I like. I loved Lost. Uh, but I've also been burned by Lost, and I know I know how they can fuck these things up. So I don't trust them anymore. These mystery shows. Oh, it's, it just feels like such an effort, yeah. like, just to dive in. Like, I, this yeah. is why I don't read. <laughs> I don't That's read because I feel like I'm going to get started and the book's going to suck, or I don't read enough to know if it does suck. Right. I can't tell if it sucks or good is good. So I just don't read. <laughs> it you makes solved it, it. Yeah, it's it just <laughs> makes it easier. Take the emotion all right. out. Well, and, all right. Noted. I got to cancel my showtime, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, everything else. <sighs> Fucking a. All right, that was uh, invasion of the body snapper. Snap. Fuck it. Fuck it. End it. Body snackers. That was <laughs> invasion of the body body snatchers. Body. A body. Uh, uh, from 1978. Please join us next week as the eyes of March march on <laughs> from 2010. It's the other Patrick Wilson movie. That is also not, it's not sinister. It's not the conjuring. It's insidious. We know because it starts with an I. It's got the Darth Maul demon in it. And that's all I know about it. I think I also maybe think I saw the movie and don't remember any of it. I am clueless. Like we talked about this before the show. I literally have no idea what. Yeah, movie we, there doing. are three different movies. I think are the same movie that we're sure this is and is not. Yeah, it was like the mid two thousands soup of horror. Yeah, and somewhere in there is Insidious. Yep, and uh, that's what we're gonna do next week because it's I it starts with I, and then we'll know what it is. Yeah, and we'll talk about it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. The sun is haunted. It sounds scary. It's not a haunted house. It's a haunted boy. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> scary men. That's a first. That's a first. Oh, yeah. Starting them young. Okay. Check out our website, slumberpodcastmaster.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Check out all our stuff. A huge thanks to our patrons. You help make this show possible. We couldn't do it without you. We are forever in your debt. God bless you. God, God bless you. I, I can't do the Donald Sutherland. Just uh, say body. <laughs> Bodie. He body. says Bodie. Come on. Body. Tim, do you got anything else to say about Invasion of the Bodie Snatchers? Yes. I I sometimes, like, I realize, like, because my schedule is filled with other things, and sometimes I, I stop myself, and I'm like, why don't you do like what other people do. Like, why don't you just do things that normal people do for once? <laughs> sure. And um, I'll make myself like maybe even watch a movie or something. that's not horror or whatever. And I'm like, what do normal people do? And I'm like, they watch Con Air. Oh, so I made myself sit down a couple nights ago at late at night, stayed up extra late to yeah. watch and rent and pay for Con Air. <laughs> Have uh, you seen it before? No. That's why. Like that's it? what I'm, I'm oh, trying okay, to. Okay, okay. I'm, I, like I'm trying to blend in. <laughs> so um, Twenty five year old movie. And so I'm like, people watch the Con Air, so I'll watch the Con Air, and uh, I, I kind of loved it. Oh, it's I awful. It three times in the theater, I fell asleep each time. It's like, I mean, it is so atrociously what it is, and yeah. I don't even know what it is, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's a movie I don't fault anyone for, like, loving. Like, yeah. if you told, if you were like, Con Air is my favorite movie, I'd be like, I get it. This is, It's just something that I don't do, but I kind of I got it. Yeah. Like, Cyrus the Virus? Yeah. Hell yeah. Right. Malkovich chewing it. So, yeah, I... I I'm excited to be part of the human race. Wow. Yeah. Can't wait to get you caught up to some movies from this millennium. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's take it. Is there a Connor too? No. Oh, geez. Okay. No. Well, dang it. No, he met up with his daughter. He doesn't have to write her letters anymore. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Dear daddy. <laughs> oh, that accent. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Dear Jenny. Yeah. We should do a uh, miniseries on that guy sometime. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Like, <laughs> His horror through the ages. We could spin his name like cages. Yeah, no, something like that. That'd yeah, interesting. I did. I did laugh real quick as we're wrapping up about something you said recently. Where it's so funny that we felt that it was such a monumentous occasion for us to do a very special episode at twenty five. Yeah, I was looking through our. What are we stuff. at? Now? We're almost at one fifty. Almost at one fifty. This is like one forty seven or one forty eight. Yeah, big time. Don't have anything special planned for it though. Well, your basement's getting fixed. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, we'll technically be in a improved studio when we record the next show. Yeah. Goodbye water in my basement. Yeah. You've plagued my fucking life for 20 years. I make a lot of water in your basement. <laughs> you do. That's true. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not on the floor. I could just go in the fucking drain, no! dude. <laughs> All right, Tim. Don't piss in the studio. Bye. I won't. I will. Bye. Bye.